folks, the scripture this morning um, is one that um, comes through the lectionary. Mike and I have been preaching out of the lectionary during Eastertide, and when we were divvying up services, little did I realize the text that I would be inheriting for today. Um, My, oh my, it's a text that often we use at funerals. And I want to assure you, I am not dying, at least not to my knowledge. I I plan on being around for a while. I won't be here at this church, but um, it's quite an interesting text. So as I I, I read the text um, and got over my shock that this is what I was going to be preaching about this morning, I then let it hit me in different ways, and it really did. I'm going to read the text in a minute, and you'll understand why this has been a challenge. Um, Part of what the text talks about is, um, oh, God having many rooms um, for for his loved ones. And I am currently without a room, without a house, without a home. And I have been teasing with the staff that once um, Holy Week came and we became officially homeless, um, and, and others have lovingly taken us in. And my son, Zach, my goodness, Zach, I would not survive without your apartment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep waiting for you to have a talk, Mom and Dad. You've got to get off the couch and get a job. <laughs> but still there, buddy, a few more weeks. Um, take good care of your dad. But anyway, the staff, our, we have a crazy staff. As you know, wonderful staff, kind of headed by Chief and Craziness Mike Menix. And they've heard me say this homeless thing that I've been dealing with. And so they gave me my very own shopping cart. <laughs> and I, I don't know if I'm going to try to hold it. If you can, if you can, can you see that? It, at the front it says, Home Sweet Home. <laughs> Isn't that good? This is good. Thank you. Thank you, staff. I'm, I'm putting it on my desk in my, my new home. But it's also filled with all kinds of scriptures. And if you will, this is a metaphor for what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you were able, would you please stand and let us receive the scripture for the morning. From the Gospel of John in the 14th chapter, beginning in the first verse. Hmm. I need to give you some background before we read this. Because putting it in context is helpful. The scripture that I'm going to read comes um, following a time that Jesus has told his disciples that he will be with them for just a little while longer, that where he is going, they cannot go. And the disciples, I'm sure, were somewhat bewildered by this. Peter immediately, immediately wanted to know where it is that Jesus was going and why he can't follow Jesus. Jesus responded, if you remember the scripture, that before the cock crows, the rooster crows three times, Peter will disown him. Now comes the scripture. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so... 
Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still you do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The scripture that I just read, I believe is a, very poignant glimpse into how Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for the change that's ahead of them. He knew change was coming. The disciples weren't quite clear what all that meant. And in the loving, compassionate way of Christ, he wanted to prepare these, his friends, whom he'd lived with, ministered with, worked with, For the last years, he wanted to prepare them for the change ahead of them. Change. I'm not sure that all of us do real well with change. You know, even good change, there are adjustments. I'm looking at a new college graduate. It's good change, and there's adjustments. The first service we had... A woman very with child. That baby could be being born right now. I just was glad we got through the service. There, you know, good change. Good change. But I said to her and her husband, your lives are about to change. Sleep while you can. Sleep while you can. Our lives are never the same. When we have children, we adjust to that. It's good change. But it can be challenging. New marriages. We have a new wedded couple in our midst. We may have more that I'm not seeing. Adjustments, even in times of good change. Marriage, dating, beginning a new job, anticipating the beginning of a new job, graduating, school, Changes in our financial situation, 
changes in our home. You know, these are all changes that can be challenging. And my experience is that most of us struggle a bit with change, even when change is needed. The church certainly is not without change. In the years that I've been involved in active ministry, um, I've seen society change a great deal, and I've seen the church change a great deal. When I first began in ministry, I did not know but one woman who was ordained as a minister. I got to tell you, it was a little more than scary. It was scary for me. I'm sure it was scary for the people who were to get me. You know? They just didn't quite know what to do with me. Or me with my own identity as a woman, as a clergy. I had people who left the church before I ever showed up. Because they heard a woman was coming. I had people who left the church after I left. Because somebody else was coming. We don't always do well with change. When I was a seminary student, I did my clinical pastoral education work at a hospital in Chicago, Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital. And I was the first woman to come into that hospital as a chaplain. And I started doing something. A few of you have heard this story before, but bear with me. I get to do this today. I went into this hospital on the days that I was on call. And I did then something I've never done since. I began wearing a clerical collar. It's what we we think of Episcopal priest, Catholic priest, a black shirt with a white collar. You look at it and you see this outfit and you think, clergy. So when I was on call, I would wear this. Well, this one particular day, I was going to be on call at the hospital that night, so I had my little nightgown in my briefcase and a change of clothes, and I got on the subway, the L train in Chicago, to um, go to the hospital, and it was rush hour, and I'm jumping onto a subway at a change, and a man was getting off, and he, bang, he smacked into me. It was an accident. It jarred me, and I grabbed the, you know, the seats in the subway. I was in the subway car, and he was outside, and he looked at me, and he saw the collar. And he said, oh, excuse me, Father. <laughs> and then his eyes kind of went down my body, and then they came back up, and he said, uh, Mother? <laughs> you know, we see what we expect to see. Pretty doggone normal. Nothing wrong in this. However, if we do not allow ourselves to see any further than what we have known or what we expect to see, we get in trouble and we get stuck. And when we get stuck, I believe we get stuck in fear. When our lives are driven in fear, we freeze up. 
we cling to what we know or what we have known, good or bad, and we cease to move into the future. I think Jesus knew this. And in the scripture today, it is his awareness, I believe, of understanding that his disciples distinctly had the possibility of being trapped in what they had known alone. And the fear and the unsettlement of what change would bring that he addressed them and us today. Hear what he says in the face of change coming to his disciples and to us. First thing he says essentially is don't be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in wanting things to remain as they are or have been. I believe that Jesus knew if his disciples crumbled, if they became so anxious and so troubled that they became immobile, God's great message of transformation that Jesus worked so hard to share with them and with the world, that message of transformation would take a back seat to a lived-out message of fear. So his first words to his disciples were, do not let your hearts be troubled. His compassion was consummate. Isn't that true for us? You know, I, I think sometimes I, I'm looking out. It's so neat to see so many people that I have loved through the years for so long and in so many different ways. And, and you have spoken with me, you have spoken with Mike often about some of this fear of changes that are going on in your lives. I've heard from students who are getting ready to go to college kind of frightened that their families might crumble while they were gone. Interesting. I've heard from parents who were very frightened as their children went off to school that the values, the foundations that they tried so hard to lay would get lost. I hear from Marriages that are changing, life circumstances that are changing, and afraid of what will be ahead. I work with cancer patients in Philadelphia three days a week. I hear every week from cancer patients who are afraid of what the future might bring for their loved ones. Just this last week, I was speaking with a woman who's really frightened. It's interesting, not as much about dying as about what's going to happen to my family when I'm gone. Her husband has had a real struggle with drinking. Is he going to begin drinking again? Will the children turn to him? I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there to help it, to, to, to do my part of it. 
She's fearful, as are many, of the collapse of their family after they leave. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he says why. He gives them the message of what to do. Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So if fear is the glue that keeps us stuck, then I would suggest that it is faith that's the solvent that can set us free. Where we place our faith makes all the difference. Placing our faith in that which is greater than we or even greater than we have known makes all the difference. What we trust, who we trust is supreme. You know, this is pretty personal for me because I believe it's being able to trust beyond God or beyond what I could see to God probably saved my life. Not all of us grow up in intact, totally joyful homes. I guess not really anybody does, let's be honest. That's just, yeah, that's just kind of a myth out there. We all have struggles. But what do we latch on to? What do we latch on to? For me, a lot of the negativity is that which was my foundation and defining my sense of hope and future. I've discovered in my life and in many of your lives that no matter what our circumstances, there is a transformative love that moves us forward, moves us forward. Believe, believe in God. Believe also in me, says Christ. Many years ago when I was just a college student, before I had declared for ordained ministry, I, was, um, I worked one summer in Indianapolis, Indiana. There was a little girl. I've often thought of her as my first parishioner. Um, There was a little girl by the name of Titha, Titha Alexander. She was nine years old. I've spoken to you a little bit before about Titha. She um, was a very interesting child. When I met Titha, her hair was pretty matted. She had lice. I learned how to cut hair that summer. Um, She kind of became the rage. Lots of kids got their hair short in pixies that summer. She had scars um, down the lower part of her body. They were scars that were left from scalding water that had been poured on her um, as a punishment because she had forgotten to do something. Before I, I left camp that summer in Indianapolis, on the last night, and this story I have shared before, but bear with me. Titha, as I was putting her to bed and the other kids in the bed, I was holding my Bible and she asked me if she could sleep with it. 
she didn't know all that was in that Bible, but she knew there was something in there that changed people in ways that she had never experienced. No one had ever treated her with love like the people she got to know that summer. Earlier in the summer, um, we had a Sunday school class. Oh, Sunday school class at Fletcher Place Community Center. It was not like any Sunday school class I had ever been to, and I haven't been to many like it since. It was filled with a lot of kids, and we drank Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola out of bottles. I, I didn't have access to cheer wine, or we would have been drinking cheer wine out of, out of those bottles. But we would sit around, and we would, we would drink Coca-Cola, and Sandy Hoke, this wonderful woman, would, would read a scripture, and then we would talk about it. The scripture that we read earlier this morning is a scripture she read one day. And after she read the scripture, she asked the kids what they thought about this passage from John. And a couple of kids started talking about, ooh, it would be great to have a big house like that and be a, have a swimming pool and... You know, what, a big backyard where we could play football? That was before the song even came out. Um, they talked about rooms with huge beds and, and big rooms where you could have banquet tables and all the food. And one kid was telling us that, you know, every room would have its own refrigerator. So there could be food there all the time. And then Titha said, Miss Sandy, just how big is this place? Well, the kids jumped back in and started talking more about the grandiosity of this place. And then Titha said, but Miss Sandy, is there room enough in this place to hide? Is there room enough to hide? Sandy, I'll never forget, took her hands, sat square up in front of her, and said, Titha, this place is bigger than any house you have ever been in. This place is bigger than all the rooms that we've talked about. This place is bigger than all the rooms, all the rooms and all the homes in Indianapolis put together. We can't think how big this place is because this place is the heart of God. And in God's heart, there will always be room for you. That's what we put our trust in. That's what we believe. We believe not in a specific Room, place. This is a great place. God's heart is bigger. It's not who's in the rooms. There's some great people in this room. I'm going to tell you, God's heart is bigger. That's what we put our trust in and our beliefs in, our faith in a God whose heart is broader 
than we can imagine given the circumstances of our lives. God's love does not hurt. God's love does not shame. It does not exclude. God's love is broad enough to include all the unlovable. God's love gives hope to the hopeless and home of heart to the homeless. I, we believe in a God who cares, who provides, who protects. I became a Christian because in God's grace, I got a glimpse that was broader than my life experience. I got a glimpse of the heart of God. In this church, we try to live and love each other the best we can as extensions of the heart of God. My life was saved. Out of that love. Your lives are precious. Precious. There's room in God's heart. No matter what you're thinking this day, no matter what you've experienced in the past, God's love is broad enough to include you and always will. Just how big is this place? It's God's place. It's the place we can trust, where our fears can melt or be managed and replaced with a profound love that transforms us into his children. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, says Christ. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. Let us go to our Father's heart. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.